the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome back to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled to the True Vine. We brought you the first portion of this message yesterday, but due to our time constraints, we're not able to complete it. We'll do so now. And remember that you can always go to reachingyourheart.com and listen to any of these messages in on-demand audio format right there on the website. That's reachingyourheart.com. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Feel free to call us with any questions that you have. Let's get underway. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. So I got a hold of this Campbell Soup Company down the road where they had lots of manure. I had them bring a truckload full of that stuff to my backyard. And they brought it in the spring, you know, when it was kind of damp and the humidity was high. And the winds were blowing up the hill toward my neighbor's houses. And they dumped that stuff right behind my backyard. And I had a hard time kind of shoveling it out. It took two weeks to level it out. But I planted my tomato patch in pure fertilizer. I mean, Jack and the Beanstalk is one story. You should have seen my tomato vines take to the sky. Our corn got so high that it fell over. It was top-heavy. My neighbors hated my garden. They smelled it all the way until the time the tomatoes ripened on the vine. I was the talk of the neighborhood. It was awful talk. Pastor Oxentanko messing up our neighborhood with the smell of his garden. But when I took them a bucket full of tomatoes in the fall, they all began to change their tune. These big, massive, meaty, ripe tomatoes. But as I took those tomatoes to my neighbors, all the history of how awful my garden was suddenly shifted to how wonderful the fruit is. Now, friend, your garden may be kind of awful. It could be your planting experience in the church is full of things that have smelled to it at times. Maybe you don't do as well as you think you should. Maybe you don't. But friend, if you have fruit for God, the focus is not on the garden. The focus is on the fruit. It's the outcome of the journey, the struggle in your life that God is concerned about. Sometimes people are afraid to bear fruit because the fruit isn't perfect or plentiful. Notice John fifteen two. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, what does it say? He takes it away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. The Greek word for branch is klema. It is derived from the verb klau, which means to break. It means a breakable branch or a new branch that can be easily taken away. It could be better translated a tender and breakable branch. In the context, Jesus is talking about new believers who are in danger of coming to church and doing nothing for God. Four logical facts arise from the observation that the branch in the parable is a new branch. Fact number one, since the branch is new, it can't hold large fruit at first. Large fruit would break a new branch. That's why God doesn't have a large piece of fruit growing from a brand new branch. 
the branch grows in its capacity to hold the fruit. In the parable, the issue is not the size of the fruit or the quality of the fruit. The vine dresser is simply looking for the presence of fruit. Any fruit will do it first. If there's fruit on that branch, he's going to work with the branch so it will have a greater capacity to hold larger fruit. If the vine dresser sees the tiniest fruit in your life, he is not going to cut you off. Did you hear what I said? He's not looking for massive evidences that you have arrived. He's looking for those little indicators that there's fruit so he can work with the branch. Fact number two, a new branch that is healthy will develop fruit rather quickly. It only takes a season for a flower to turn into a small piece of fruit. New believers don't have to wait forever to start working for God inside the church. I mean, this notion, you've got to be in the church six years before God can use you and make a difference is absolutely fallacious. You need to be in the church just long enough to experience the season of growth, which is the same year you're there. You should be working for God, be it in a prayer ministry, children's ministry, health ministry, or whatever ministry the Lord puts on your heart so that you can make a difference for God. So it doesn't take long to bear fruit. Fact number three, unfaithful branches absorb life away from the fruitful branches. So an unfruitful branch saps life from branches that can bear fruit. In the parable, the vine dresser removes them so the healthy branches can thrive and bear larger fruit. So a branch that's not bearing fruit is actually has a negative impact on the net result of bearing fruit. It pulls energy away from that part of the plant which will reproduce. Jesus is saying that unproductive Christians are a sap on the energy of productive Christians. In the plan of God, there's no room for any believer to be idle in the church. Sometimes people leave the church not because they were driven away. Sometimes they leave the church because they never bore fruit and they don't want to. And the vine dresser cuts them off. Fact number four. Every healthy branch has negative growth at first. The vine dresser prunes the healthy branches so they will bear more fruit. So it isn't perfect fruit we're looking at. It's just fruit. Every new believer has things in their life that God needs to take away. Is that true or not? And sometimes believers who've been in the church have things that need to be taken away. Correct? So the pruning must go on. When you are a new believer, you may become discouraged with the negative and unnecessary growth in your life that holds you back and feel like your life really doesn't matter. Christ is saying here, don't give up on yourself. You can't prune your life on your own. That's not your job. You can't fix yourself without the Father's knife. The vine dresser applies the knife at times to the branch so the branch can bear more fruit in the future. For the true believer, trials are a blessing that offers the promise of fruit. John 15:3, You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. This notion that our church must be anything other than a Bible-based community of faith is far into the thinking of Jesus. You know, we're made clean by the interaction of the Word of God in our life. It's the Word of God that is God's pruning agent in the church. In the lesson of the vine, God uses the Word to prune and clean our lives. The sword of the Spirit is the pruning knife of the vine dresser. That means there's a relationship between the Word of God and personal spiritual growth and character development in your life. If somehow the Bible's pushed out of your devotional experience, if you're reading books about religion or 
books about philosophy or books about spiritual growth, but you're not reading the Scriptures. You're not allowing the Word of God to prune your life. You're not listening to the words of Jesus speaking to you. Then how on earth can it happen? Friend, God has given the Bible for correction in all of our lives. He has given His Word to prick your conscience at times so God can prune your life for the purposes He has for you. The person who is not willing to submit himself or herself to the Word of God will never be pruned. And if you're not pruned, it means you'll be locked off. You'll be cut off eventually. John 15, 4. So what does Jesus say? What is the focus that we need in our life? Here's what He says. Abide in Me and what? And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what does it say? Nothing. At this point, Jesus moves from the immaturity of the new branch to the promises of maturity, the promise of eventual maturity in the future. The secret to growth is not being big. The secret to growth is not having large fruit. The secret to growth is not having large plans for the future. The secret to growth is sticking to the vine. The text says, abide in me. In the context, the secret to abiding is to accept the words of Christ. Now, how can you abide in Christ if the Bible is irrelevant to your growth? How can you abide in Christ if music has taken the place of the Bible? And I like Christian music, but if it takes the place of God's Word, how do you really abide in Christ? You can't. We're living in a time in the Christian church where many people believe that feelings and subjectivism can take the place of interacting with the Scriptures and the Word of God. It cannot. In the context, the secret to abiding is to accept the words of Christ, the Scriptures. We abide in Christ by hanging on to His teachings and holding His commandments dear to our heart. John 15.10, Jesus says, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Look at verse 10 with me. Is love legalism? I ask that question. Is it? Is love legalism? Now, how many of you want to be a legalist here? Don't raise your hand. You know, some people, when I ask questions, they don't even think. Just raise their hand. Don't raise your hand. Who does not want to be a legalist? Let's all raise our hands. We don't want to be Pharisaic on our life, do we? No. What is legalism? It's putting the law in a place it shouldn't be. Now, Christ is very clear here. If we love Him, we will do what? So keeping the commandments of God is not legalism. It is your love response to Jesus. It's not legalism. Legalism is making the commandments the means of your salvation. It's relying upon them instead of relying upon Jesus. The fruit, the evidence that you have come to Christ is really the pursuit of a consistent, obedient life. He says, you will abide in my love if you keep my commandments. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. There's a song out there. I don't like it. I don't like it. But you've heard it. I don't want to be a Pharisee. You heard it? They're not fair, you see. Now, I don't want to be a Sadducee. They're Sadducee. How many of you heard the children sing that song? Okay. Well, the Pharisees tried to be as fair as they could get. They took fairness to a fault. 
Jesus is saying, listen, the reason for obedience is not to somehow be able to trick God to give you eternal life. He says an obedient life of love results in joy in your heart. And when your joy is full, it is the outcome of an obedient life. Verse 12, this is my commandment. In other words, all of his words can be brought down into a single commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. We abide in Christ by abiding in the words that he has given to us. There's no room here to argue that the commandments of God are done away with in the Christian life. That's foolish talk according to Jesus. How can it even come into play in John 15? That just doesn't make any sense. There is no room here to argue that his word is obsolete in a postmodern church. The word abide is etymologically related to the word translated dwelling place, mansion, or room in the Lord's promise in various translations in John 14.1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, many abiding places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? God made every world that goes around every star that has intelligence and life on it He made the inhabitants of those worlds to abide in Christ. The Greek word for abide is meno. The Greek word for heavenly room is mone. They are from the same consonantal root. Christ says, abide in me and I in you. Since Jesus is in heaven, since our representative stands at the right hand of God in the heavenly sanctuary, we need to consider ourselves abiding with Jesus in the heavenly places by faith. We need to see ourselves in the presence of God at the right hand of God in Christ who has exalted us to the right hand of God. Colossians 3.2, Paul writes this, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, we could all do a cross-check in our life. We could do a tally of that which gets in the way. Let me ask you a straightforward question. In your entertainment time, is there any room for anything that prevents you to abiding in Christ? And the answer is no. It needs to be removed. Friend, if you're watching something consistently that is a stumbling block for you, cut it out of your life so you can abide in Christ. If you are in the habit of bowing down at the altar of some latest movie flick that comes out, cut it off, get it out of your life, abide in Christ. If you're enamored with something that gives you a sense of peace, some alcoholic beverage or some social drinking trick you have going in your life, cut it off so Christ can be the basis of joy in your life. I have found that the best therapy for a Christian is to come to prayer meeting. Well, you didn't hear me, did you? The best therapy for a hurting Christian is to come to prayer meeting and pray and to sing praises to God in the middle of the week. And to make sure they do the same thing on church. I mean, excuse me for not being too intellectual here about this thing, but I think what our soul needs most is more of Jesus. And when we have more of Jesus, our needs are met in Christ because we abide in Christ. To abide in Christ, you must look to the heavenly sanctuary where Jesus prays in the presence of God for you every moment of your life. To abide in Christ means you must set your heart, your mind, your affections on what Christ is doing for you, what He has done for you, and what He will continue to do. He must be your abiding place. Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, 
He, meaning Jesus, is able to save for all time those who draw near to God through Him. Since He, meaning Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. How much can a Christian accomplish without abiding Christ? How much will really last in the end? John 15, 5, Jesus says, Without me, you can do nothing. Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The inverse is true, and it is true for the person who abides in Christ. I don't have the answers for your life journey. I don't know how to solve your problems in your life. I've got my own. I know this, the devil hammers me. Does he hammer you? Yes or no? Okay, he hammers me, and I have to pray. Sometimes I pray all day to get through the stuff that comes at me. Maybe you have to pray all day to get through the stuff that comes to you. But you will not get through it. You will not overcome unless you abide in Christ. But if you do, if you hang in there with Jesus, you will most definitely overcome. Because overcoming is not the destination. Overcoming is where you are in the journey as you abide in Christ. Anne Hagel is alive today because of the dedication of her riding partner, Debbie Nichols. Both women came to love the sport of mountain biking, and time would show that both friends enjoyed each other's company very much. They rode together because they were friends. Debbie was a mountain bike racer, and Anne was a personal trainer. On January 8th, many years ago, they were training for a race on the Cactus Trail in the Whiting Ranch Wilderness Park in California. Anne was the faster of the two, and she was riding 30 yards ahead of Debbie, just moving along the trail. The trail was only about two feet wide. Debbie was quickly gaining ground on her friend when she turned the corner and saw a mountain lion all over her friend Anne. There it was, mauling her. Anne was on her back. The mountain lion was on her, scratching her, clawing her, getting ready to do her in. Debbie picked up her bike and threw it at the mountain lion instantly. It didn't phase the lion one bit. Without a noise, it quickly and quietly dragged Anne by her neck down the trail into the woods. That cat had killed a muscular mountain biker named Mark Reynolds near the same spot just earlier. That mountain lion was dangerous. It was confident that Anne would just be an easy kill. I mean, the first kill was more difficult. The mountain lion had Anne's helmet inside his jaws, and he didn't plan to let go of her. Anne was paralyzed with fear, and she couldn't move. Pumped with adrenaline, Debbie stuck to her friend like Velcro. Debbie leaped off the trail and pursued the cat like a lioness ready to attack. She grabbed Anne by the leg and dug into the ground with the other hand. The mountain lion pulled one way. She pulled the other way. Her hand was only inches away from the mountain lion's head. They were pulling for the life in between. She was in mortal danger, but she knew that if she lost her grip for one instant, the lion would win. She didn't lose her grip. She hung on. In the middle of the battle, Anne screamed, I'm going to die. Debbie screamed back, you're not, and I'll never let go of your leg. And she kept praying, dear God, please, God, let me hang on to my friend. The other bikers were afraid to help, but that didn't stop Debbie from hanging on to Anne. As the fight continued, the teeth of the lion settled into Anne's face like a vice grip. She was bleeding badly, and she slipped into shock. It was a tug of war a life-and-death battle, a friend and a fiend on each side of the one in between. 
The mountain lion was pulling against the woman who was connected to the lion of the tribe of Judah. She felt the power of a living God flowing through her hands to defeat the mountain lion that day. Debbie used every resource she had to win the fight. The fight for life. The fight for a friend. She pulled. She screamed at the mountain lion. She cursed it to its face. She dug into the earth and held her friend at the same time and would not let her go. She would not let her friend go. In time, a fellow mountain biker mustered the courage to throw a rock at the lion. The rock hit the mountain lion on the head, and then the mountain lion gave up and disappeared in the forest. A few moments later, the paramedics arrived, and Anne was airlifted to safety. One of the mountain bikers had this to say about the friend who would not let go of her friend Anne. He said, Debbie was fearless. She was basically going face to face with this mountain lion saying, You're not taking my friend, dead or alive. She's coming with me. The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. That someone is you. One day, friend, Jesus is coming. He's coming for all those who fight the enemy in this far off, awful land. He's coming for those who hold on to the vine in the midst of the life struggle. He's coming for the weak who have a strong connection because Christ has held on to you. Before Jesus returns on the trail of life and the trials of life, they'll meet in a final global conflict. It will look like the devil will have you in the jaws of death for the last time. The nations will be in turmoil. Truth and righteousness will have almost perished from the earth. There shall be in different lands a simultaneous movement for the destruction of God's people. The prophet Daniel says the king of the north will move to take the holy mountain. He'll plant his pavilion between the glorious holy mountain and the seas representing the nations of the earth. He'll go forth with great fury to exterminate and annihilate many. It will be the darkest hour of human history and the end will seem to engulf you. And it will look like the devil has God's people in his jaws ready for the kill. But friend, Jesus said, Abide in me. And he said, and I and you for a very good reason. If you abide in Christ today, he will stand up for you in the last day. He will hold you like Velcro in the last day. He will not let you go. He will hang on to you in the midst of the final battle with evil. And that day Jesus will appear in the clouds of heaven. He will turn to the roaring lion with an authority that is greater than your fear because he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will take hold of you. He will take hold of you because He has always held you with a grip that is stronger than any grip and He will pull you out of the lion's mouth for the last time. And to the devil He will say with confidence, you're not taking my friend with you to the lake of fire. Let him go. Let him go. Let her go. Let their children go. They're going home to live with me because they abide in me and I in them. Abide in me, and I in them. Abide in me, and I in you. This is the eternal promise of the true vine, the true Israel of God, who will fight for his people, that will lift you into the sky, to be with him forever, planted, transplanted in God's eternal kingdom. Abide in the true vine, not the false. Friend, Jesus is the true vine. Abide in him. And live forever connected to the life. Dear Heavenly Father, I sense that there's someone here who has fallen away from you.
and wants to abide. In their inmost soul, they want to abide. If you're that person, just raise your hand and say, that's me. No one's looking but you and God. Father, I pray right now in the name of the mighty Lord Jesus that there'll be fruit in that life. The fruit of submission to you. The fruit of dependence on you. And the fruit that bears fruit in other people's lives. But right now, Father, that hand reached high is a little piece of fruit on the vine because it's faith. It doesn't matter how awful the life circumstance, it's faith. Father, thank you that Jesus will abide in that life. And I pray in the name of the mighty Lord Jesus, whatever it is that binds and constrains the life, remove it, prune it, it will bear fruit. Thank you, Father, the vine dresser, for giving us the vine. May we always in this place, every day, not ask what we can do to get by, but ask what it means to abide and to do so. Father, what we're observing in the world today is crazy stuff. This week in the news, you know what I'm talking about. Who knows? You know. We want to go home. Help us, Lord. I'm grateful that you've heard my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude a message entitled The True Vine. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com and download a copy of it to your personal library in MP3 format or listen right there on the web in on-demand audio format. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. Once again, that number is 877-788-5371. Feel free to call us at any time. We have operators standing by now to help you. If you can help us with a financial contribution, we would really appreciate that. You can go to the website, reachingyourheart.com. There's an option there to donate online. For Pastor Mike and everyone here, we also want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.